really these are times that everything is uncertain. I think certainty and assurance that all is well just went out the window years ago. And it seems that every day there's just more chaos, more confusion, more lies. And it's just like um, these, it's almost like we live on edge, really. You live on edge. Well, what's next? You know, what's going to be on uh, breaking news? And so really these are troubled times and uncertain times. But you know, the Bible says uh, when a nation turns to a wickedness instead of godliness, and when a nation legislates laws that promotes, promote ungodliness instead of godliness, and when a nation allows a few by legislative action to remove God from the public arena and the public of life, public life, and almost are saying, well, we don't want anything to do with God. Well, what do you expect when, when, when wickedness abounds? You know, I was thinking about this verse. It's found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 57, verses 20 and 21. It says, the wicked are like the troubled sea. I want you to think a moment. You ever been to the ocean when the wind was up and the waves were up? And it's just like it was a, a, it just troubled. It was just roaring on top of one another. It says, well, the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. And that's pretty much a description of the condition of America today. It is like a troubled sea and can find no rest. It's because of the wickedness in the land. But you know, there is good news for children of God. There's great news for the children of God. And it's found in a passage that I want to, I want to read. And I want you just to look at each word in it and let it speak to your heart. You see, the Bible speaks that, that we have a kingdom as believers and followers of Jesus, that we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so we read in, in Hebrews 12, 25 through 29, some tremendous words. It says in Hebrews 12, 25 through 29, see that, see that, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, how much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven? And it goes on in the 26th verse and says, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised saying, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. And then in the next verse, he says, now this yet once more indicates that he, the removal of those things, listen carefully, the removal of those things which, which are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which are, cannot be shaken will remain. Now let me stop before I read the next verse. Basically it says, once God spoke, and the earth shook. He was talking about at Mount Sinai when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments and God's voice was such and the fire and the smoke on Mount Sinai just absolutely terrified the children of Israel and they didn't want God to speak and they didn't want to hear him. But Moses went and God spoke to him and he, he really shook the earth then and that's when God gave him the Ten Commandments. But he said he spoke once on earth, but now he's speaking again and from heaven. And if they, did, if, if, if they did not hear him when he spoke on earth, we certainly need to hear him when he speaks from heaven. And, uh, and he said, and this is what he said. Everything, therefore, he says, when he spoke from heaven, 
He said, uh, everything that can be shaken will be shaken, and the things that cannot be shaken will remain. But this is the verse that I want us to concentrate on in verse 28. Now look at every word of it. Therefore, since everything that can be shaken will be shaken, and the things that which cannot be shaken will remain, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Now, now wait a minute. He says, uh, there's a shaking and everything that can be shaken as things that are made, material things, that they're going to be shaken and they're going to be gone. But there are things that cannot be shaken. Well, what is it? We're receiving, receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. It cannot be shaken. Let us have grace that we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Okay, here is the thesis. We are receiving as children of God. We are partakers in a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It cannot be shaken. So in light of that, we ask God to give us grace that we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. You know, it is good to know that we have two citizenships. We have a citizenship on earth, citizens of the United States of America. But the word of God also says, but our citizenship is in heaven from which we look for the coming King and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of this world, and it is a kingdom of darkness. But there is also the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of this world, everything about it, will be shaken. But the kingdom of God will not be shaken. And we are a part, if we're saved, of the kingdom of God. Jesus, you know, let's think a minute about the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus taught us to pray about it. Remember Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 told us uh, to pray about the kingdom. He says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We're to pray for the kingdom of God to come on earth as it is in heaven. You, you know, Jesus touched on the kingdom of God. You see, there's the kingdom of this world, and there's the kingdom of God. Everything in the kingdom of this world can be shaken. Nothing in the kingdom of God can be shaken. And so Jesus told us to pray for the kingdom of God to come, but then he told us to seek first the kingdom of God. Matthew six thirty three. But seek first, not second, not third, not fourth, not when you have time. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things shall be added unto you. And so this is what I love. The Bible says that us who are followers of Jesus, we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. A kingdom that cannot be shaken. And all around us is the kingdom that is being shaken. Not only in America. You take all of Europe, throughout the world, all of the Asian and African countries. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken. But the Bible says that as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the kingdom of God. And there there are certain questions I would like to ask about the kingdom of God. First of all, well, who's in the kingdom of God? Is everybody that's born into this world, every human being, regardless of tribe, tongue, or nation, are they part of the kingdom of God? No, no. Who is in the kingdom of God? Those who have a personal relationship and who know the king. That the beautiful thing about the kingdom of God is every kingdom has a king. 
And the kingdom, guess who the kingdom of God is? The king of the kingdom of God is. Does anybody who know who the king of the kingdom of God is? You know who it is? Who is it? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the king in the kingdom of God. And so that's uh, the most important thing we need to understand. It is the kingdom of God and that Jesus is the king in the kingdom of God. And he, and, he, and he said this. Jesus said, you know, it, it, it is um, not only my kingdom, but it's my Father's kingdom. In Matthew 26, verse 26 through 29, I want you to listen to what Jesus said about it being his Father, his kingdom. He was having uh, the Lord's Supper with his disciples, and, uh, and, and he said to them, I'm not going to drink the fruit of the vine, and I don't know why this isn't on the screen. It's supposed to be. I said, I'm not going to drink the fruit of the vine until I drink it again with you in my Father's kingdom. So Jesus said he was going to drink wine. And it was talking about the Lord's Supper. In my Father's kingdom. So because he called the kingdom of God his Father's kingdom. But he also called it his kingdom. And there's the verse I was talking about. I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine now until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Now listen to me. We've got two kingdoms. The kingdom of this world is being shaken. The Word of God says that everything in this kingdom of, of this world will be shaken and will not remain. The only kingdom that will not be shaken is the kingdom of God. And everything in the kingdom of God will stand. And he, Jesus told us to pray for God's kingdom to come. He told us to seek first the kingdom of God. And he called it his father's kingdom, as I show you in that verse there. But Jesus also called it his kingdom. And in John chapter 18, verse 36 and 37, th this is a great passage where uh, Jesus is before Pilate, and Pilate begins to ask him questions, and uh, and, and Jesus answered uh, there and said, uh, in John 18, 36 and 37, listen to what he said. Jesus answered, uh, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. He said, now I've got a kingdom, but it's not of this world. And then he goes on and says, in the next verse, uh, Pilate therefore said to him, and listen to this question, are you a king then? You know, there were theologians that said that Jesus was never fully aware of who he was, that he was the Messiah, and that he was going to be the Savior of the world. This all kind of garbage where they just make much babbling about nothing. Jesus knew exactly who he was. He'd existed from eternity. He knew why he came into this world. He knew what he was going to do. And, but he said, Pilate said, well, are you a king then? Jesus answered and said, you, say, you rightly say that. I am a king. Well, that, that settles it for me. For this cause I was born that I might be a king. And for this cause I came into the world that I might be a king. And that I should bear witness to the truth. So, who is in the kingdom of God? Jesus is the king in the kingdom of God. It's his father's kingdom. And it is Jesus' kingdom. It is, he is the king. Now, let me ask you, tell you this. There's only one door into the kingdom of God. Only one door. There's only one gate into the kingdom of God. And that is if you know the king. You've got to know the king or you're not going to get in the kingdom of God. For Jesus said that he was the door. He said, I'm the door. And Jesus, when he referred to the narrow gate, was basically saying that he is the narrow gate. I want you to notice what he said about him being the door. In John chapter 10, verses 7 through 10, Jesus talks about him being the door. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly I say to you, now don't miss this, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door 
of the sheep. And he goes on in the next verse, and, and, and he says, uh, all who ever came before me, he said, I'm the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. They did not hear them. Then he says it. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Now, it, you know, it couldn't be any cleaner, uh, clearer than that. There are two kingdoms, the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. The prince of this world is the devil. The king and the kingdom of God is Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, well, I am the door to the kingdom of God. I am the door. And, 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 and if you go in through me, you're going to go into the kingdom of God. He said, by the way, uh, uh, if you enter by me, you will, you will have eternal life. There's one gate and there's one door. John 14, 6 makes it clear that there's one door. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Now, if you're going to enter and be a part of the kingdom of God, you have to have a personal relationship with the king. And you have to have a, uh, 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 know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. In fact, the Bible says, and I love this, you know, you always bow, and the protocol is you always bow before the king. If you went into the king, you would bow. Well, what about in the kingdom of God? Well, a part, the persons, people who get into the kingdom of God are those who have bowed their knee to Jesus as their king. And the scripture on that is Philippians 2, 9 through 11. And it talks about hey, that Jesus is the king and that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore, this is talking about Jesus now. We're talking about how, who's in the kingdom of God. Because it's a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It is an eternal kingdom. It's the only safe place in time and eternity. So who is, how do you get into the kingdom? Therefore, God has highly exalted him. And given him the name above every name. I mean, his name is above every name. Listen to this. That at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow. You bow before the king in surrender, in repentance of sin, and in surrender of your life, and he's the door, and you enter the kingdom of God. But at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, things in heaven, things on earth, and things under the earth. And, at, and every tongue shall confess, <clears throat> boy, this is getting in the kingdom. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we understand how you get into the kingdom. Luke 17, verses 20 through 21, talks about how Jesus is the door to the kingdom. It says here, Now when he was asked by the Pharisees, now, this is very important. I want you to get this. Now, when, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered and said them, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. You're not going to see it. Nor will they say, see here, see there. And then he says it. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Oh, the kingdom of God is within you because you have a personal relationship with the king and you have bowed your knee and you have surrendered your life and you have confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord. <clears throat> you know, the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. It is an eternal kingdom and it will stand for eternity. But all I want to know is this, and I ask you this almost every time we gather, have you gone through the door? Have you gone through the narrow gate? Have you come to the king, Jesus, confessing to him that you're a sinner, separated from God, deserve hell and judgment? 
but that you believe that he died on the cross for your sin and paid the ultimate price for all of your sins, past, present, and future. And you're trusting him as king and as savior and as Lord and as mediator. You're trusting him and him alone for the forgiveness of your sin and eternal life. And you're bowing your knee and you're surrendering to him as Lord. Now listen, you're not getting into the kingdom through any church, through any rites, through any ritual, through by good deeds. The only way you get in the kingdom is to know the king. And the king does not just somebody you know about. The king is somebody you know personally because you bowed your knee and you've surrendered to him and you've confessed that he is Lord and, you, and you, he is the door through which you are in the kingdom of God. Now here's the question you've got to answer. <clears throat> the kingdom of this world is being shaken and is going to be shaken more and more every day. But the kingdom of God, that's a kingdom that we're receiving that not, cannot be shaken. Now I'm asking you, what kingdom are you in? Are you in the kingdom of God? Have you bowed your knee and surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? You say, well, I believe in Jesus intellectually. That's not, that's not really knowing the king. I believe he was born of a virgin, lived to sin this life, died on the cross, and rose from the dead. That's wonderful. But that's not really having an encounter with the king. No. You have to know the king personally. And the kingdom of God has to come be within you through the person of Jesus Christ. Now, I could ask you no more important question than do you know which kingdom you're in? Are you in the kingdom of this world? Woe is you is all I've got to say. But if you're in the kingdom of God, praise be unto God. Because the kingdom of God will not be shaken. Amen? It will not. And so I'm not going to fret. I'm not going to, when I hear bad news on the news, and I don't think there's ever any good news on the news. But when I hear bad news, I say, boy, this kingdom of this world's in a mess. I'll be glad when I get on, you know, the kingdom of God becomes fulfilled and I'm in heaven. I won't have to mess with this stuff. But that's in God's timing and when God's ready. But I don't want anybody in this room to wonder, to doubt, to hope, to think that you're in the kingdom of God. Now, if you are, you'll know it because you'll know the king. And you will have been, your life will have been changed. And yet where you used to run to sin, now you run into righteousness. You used to be alive to sin and dead to God. Now you're dead to sin and alive to God. You don't practice sin. You practice righteousness. You see, there's been a radical change in your life. And it was done when the king, you bowed your knee to the king, and Jesus Christ came to live in you and forgave your sin. Well, see, Brother Fred, I'm not sure. You mean to tell me the king can come into your life and you not know for sure that he's in there? Come on. You say, well, I mean, you know, can a person know that the king is in their life? Yeah, you know, because you become a new creation in Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Christ lives within me. My burden is not that uh, everything is going to be shaken. My burden is that you know that you're in the kingdom of God and that you have yielded your life to the king and you're, you're in the king's hands and, and this kingdom of God cannot be shaken. Now, but I want to go on and say another thing about the kingdom of God. First, the first question was, who is in the kingdom of God? But the second question is, well, what is it like in the kingdom of God? Now, it's a real kingdom, and we're receiving it right now. Now, you remember Hebrews 12, 29 says, we are, for we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So we're receiving the kingdom of God right now. And we're living in the kingdom of God right now. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Now, so I got to thinking, well, what is the kingdom of God like? Well, first of all, it's made up of God's, king, God's children. Yeah. Everybody in the kingdom of God is a child of God. Oh, yeah, everybody. It, once that person has bowed their knee and truly repented of their sins and Christ has come to live in them, you are forever a part of the kingdom of God. You've gone through the door, you've gone through the gate, and you're on the narrow way, and you are in 
the kingdom of God. Well, the Bible says it's a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So what is it like in the kingdom of God? Well, I got to thinking. It's just the opposite of the kingdom of this world. It's just the opposite. For example, in the kingdom of God, the people who are in the kingdom of God, it is you and me if we are saved. You know, the kingdom of God is a place of peace. Now, you know, there's no peace in this world. Oh, no, no. We'll not be until 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 the king does the final thing. So the kingdom of God, what's in it? Peace. Listen to Jesus in John 16, 33. He he talks about uh, how how he gives us peace. He said, my peace. All right, I I want to see that verse come up. It says, uh, these things, all right, and look at this. These things have I spoken to you. Jesus, now he's the king. I'm talking about what's going on in the kingdom right now. These things have I spoken to you. That in me, you might have peace. Hallelujah. I know where peace is. You know where it is? It's in Jesus Christ. He's the prince of peace. And the closer you get to Jesus, and the more he rules and reigns in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit, man, you've got peace. Everything around you can be going nuts and going, it can be falling apart. But you say, man, in my king, I'm in the kingdom of God. <coughs> And I am not affected by the things of this world. I am not controlled. And Jesus is my peace. He said, these things have I spoken to you. That in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Anybody in here ever had tribulation? Ooh. In the world you, I, I'm going to rephrase it. In the world you will have a lot of tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I, you know what I love about the kingdom of God? It can't be shaken because King Jesus lives in us and he gives us his peace. Verse four, John 14, 27, Jesus says, don't you love this? Peace I leave with you. How many people do you know that's really got peace? I mean, they, they, you know, no matter what's going on around them, there's, there's in, uh, uh, underlying it all peace. Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is not the absence of trials. Peace is not the absence of persecution. Peace is in the midst of it. And so he says, peace I live with you. My peace. Praise God. What a kingdom. Jesus' peace. My peace I give to you. The world, not as the world gives to you, do I give to you. Let not your heart be what? Troubled and don't let it be afraid I tell you in the kingdom of God you know what it's like there's peace oh I'm not saying absence of challenges in life but there's peace but guess what in the kingdom of God when you're under the authority and power of the king there's joy (laughs) joy which is inner strength to face whatever you face in John 15 9 through 12 he says as the father loved me I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Then he goes and says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you that my joy might remain in you. It's his joy. And that your joy may be full. And he talked about abiding in the Father and loving the Father and and all that. He said, but listen, that's where joy comes from, in the kingdom, (coughs) when you're abiding in the king. So it's a place of joy. John 17, 13, it says, but now I come to you, listen to this, and these things I speak it to you in the world, that you may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. You know what joy is? I know what peace is. Joy is not happiness. Happiness depends on what happens. If the right things happen, I'm happy. If the wrong things happen, I'm unhappy. So I know what peace is. It's the presence of Jesus, and it's his peace. And it doesn't mean the absence of turmoil or whatever. It just means you've got peace. It's his peace. 
But I know what joy is. It's inner strength. In other words, uh, everything. <clears throat> I just picture a, a, a roaring sea with the waves up and just like this and just like this. But you go down so many feet and it's just as calm as it can be. Your life may be just like this. Just like a lot of, tur- lot of turbulence. But you've got joy. You've got an inner strength. You can face it because, you see, that's that inner strength that it may be trouble all around you, but down in, deep in your spirit, there's the strength to know. And it's not your, it's the joy of the Lord. It says in, 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 over in uh, the Old Testament, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Let me tell you something. Man, there are two kingdoms. And there's the kingdom of this world. And there's a kingdom of darkness. And that's a bad place to live. That's the bad place to invest your life. That's the bad place to live and die in. I am telling you, the kingdoms of this world will pass away. They will. But then there's the kingdom of God. And man, the beautiful thing about it, it's a wonderful king in the kingdom of God. His name is Jesus. What an awesome and amazing king. It's wonderful to live under his authority. And it's a wonderful to have a relationship with him every day where no matter what you're facing, said, Lord, you, you promised me your peace. And Lord, you promised me your joy. And so I'm going to face today with the peace of the king and with the joy of the king in my heart because I'm in his kingdom. Let me tell you another thing. What's in the kingdom of God? Not only peace and not only joy, but love. Love. That's the amazing thing in the, in the kingdom of God. Look at that scripture. I love this. You, you, you know, I hate to say this, but you know, there are three words in the Greek language for, for love. One, there's agape. That's the love of God. And you know what that word means? That Agape is the person that has agape, which is the love of God, always desires the highest and the best for the person loved. You've got to understand that. Not sometimes, not half the time, but if you have agape love for a person, an agape love, the love of God for your wife. And I had a man say to me who was lost, got divorced, got saved, got married, the one he was divorced from. And he said, I had no capacity to love my wife until Jesus Christ came to live in me and I could love her with the love of God. That is exactly right. And agape is that you deserve, you desire the highest and the best for the person loved. That's the kind of love that's in the kingdom of God. Well, there's another word for love. It's phileo, which means uh, the love between friends. And that's good. But then there's another word for love that this world uses. It's called eros, and it's uh, physical lust, love. And that's why we see eros in this world. The kingdom of the world means lust and all that stuff. But here's the thing about it. Don't you, don't you, aren't you glad that we've got a choice? We don't have to live in the kingdom of this world. Glory to God. We can be in it, but we don't have to be of it. We can just get up every morning and, and say, praise the Lord. It's great to be a citizen in the kingdom of God. It's wonderful to have a relationship with the king. And it's wonderful in this, while the kingdom of this world is being shaken, it's being shaken. I'm receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And regardless of what goes on, I have the peace of Jesus. I have the joy of Jesus, of the king. And I also have the very love of God. And I love this in in 1 John 4.16, and I wonder if you can say this. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. I want to stop right there. Do you know how much God loves you? Do you believe how much God loves you? John's making a statement here. Well, we know and we believe the love that God has for us. Well, do you know that? Do you believe that? We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. 
And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. You know, in, the, in this world's kingdom, there's hatred, there's lying, there's bitterness, there's anger, there's rejection. My heavens, my goodness, this, the world's kingdom, I am telling you, uh, it's dog eat dog and die. I don't know what, or cat eat cat, I don't even know. But here's the thing, in God's kingdom, that's not the way it is. That is not the way it is. I mean, we, we, we know the love of God. And we, if we abide in him, uh, abide in love, we abide in God. And it goes on and says, in verse 17, the next verse, it's, it's, uh, it says, Love has been perfected among us that, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. See, when you're in the kingdom of God and you, you know the love of God and you're surrendered to the king, you're not afraid of judgment. You're not afraid of it. Whether uh, you, you know you'll, you'll never be before the great white throne judgment. It'll just be the judgment seat of Christ. Love has been perfected of, um, uh, among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because he, as he is, so are we in the world. And you go on to the next verse, and it says, there is no fear in love. Oh, you know what I love? This, 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 this blesses me. It makes me want to do something, but I don't know what. But anyway... Let me tell you what. Listen to this. There's no fear in love. This world's kingdom, the whole purpose of ISIS is to create terror to cause fear. And I'll be honest with you, much of this world's kingdom right now, Europe all over the world is paralyzed by fear. What next? Where are they going to strike again? Some, a guy going to drive a truck down the bicycle path in Manhattan and kill 10 people? Is a guy going to knock a window out in, Los, in uh, Las Vegas and kill 58 people that he didn't even know, just wanting to kill people to be killing them? You see, that, that, the whole purpose of that is what's next? And so the, the kingdoms of this, this, of, of this world is a kingdom that fear rules. Oh, it rules. But listen, in the kingdom of God, there's no fear in love. Because perfect love casts out fear. When you know how perfect God loves you, you will not be afraid. Oh, you will not be afraid. I'm not saying somebody can't come in the room and startle you, you know, you know. And I'm not saying you might be in a situation sometime where, where you find fear coming on you, but you won't live in fear. You refuse it. There's no fear in love because the perfect love of God casts out fear because fear involves torment. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. If you are afraid, you do not know how much God loves you because God's love is greater than any fear that you would ever. So I'm talking about the kingdom of God. I'm talking about, hey, it's Jesus' kingdom. It's the Father's kingdom. And you enter that kingdom and you live there through faith in Jesus Christ. And when you're in the kingdom of God, it's, there's a kingdom of peace and joy and love. But you know what? It's also a kingdom of, of, of security. It's secure. You know, everybody wants security, you know. You know, and you know, I think it's good to have one of those uh, well, uh, alarm systems. Don't you, don't, you, don't you like those that if somebody's breaking in, you know they're going to, uh, uh, the, the alarm will go off. Uh, it's good to have an alarm system. You know, it is. But so, you know, what, what you've got to decide which bed to get under when it goes off. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But, you know, we have alarm systems and all those kind of things. But, you know, and, and, I, and I believe in security. We don't be, need to be foolish. And, and call the, the kingdom of this world is absolutely insecure. But, you know, the greatest security in the world is to know how much uh, God loves you. I want you to read, look at this, Romans 8, 31. This is what it says. Now, I'm talking about peace, love, joy and the kingdom of God that's where a Christian lives and security what shall we say to these things now I wonder if you believe this if God is for us who can be against us now see some of you will say are thinking in your mind I know how the devil's lied to you well I'm not good enough I, I, I'm not good enough God can't be for me oh I messed up last week God can't be for me 
I, I, I haven't been walking. I'm, I know I'm saved, but I haven't been walking in the path that God wants me to walk. So God can't be for me. Well, that's a lie. God's love is not fickle. It is not fickle. God does not change his attitude and mind towards you every time you do something right or either do something wrong. So what we realize is, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Well, how do you know if God is for you? Look at this verse. He that spared not his, it goes on and says in verse 32, he that did not spare his own son. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that you're not sure God's for you when God didn't even spare Jesus so you could get saved? You mean to tell me that God's abandoned you to do it on your own? Hey, wait a minute. Listen. A beautiful thing about in God's kingdom, the kingdom of God, God is for us. How do I know? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? There's not one thing we need that God does not provide for us in Jesus, if it's God's will. And then he goes on and says, who's going to bring a charge against God's elect? Those who've been, who believed in Jesus. Those, it's God who justifies who is he that is condemned? It is Christ who died and furthermore is risen. Only Jesus could condemn you, but that's not what he's doing. Who is even at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. You know, you know another good thing about uh, being in the kingdom of God and how secure it is? Uh, the security is that uh, God's for you. And by the way, Jesus is praying for you. Now, I tell you what's going on in the world's kingdom. The devil's trying to destroy you. But in God's kingdom, <clears throat> the Son of God's praying for you. And so in the kingdom of God, it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And this is the kingdom of God. This is not for the kingdom of this world. Oh, no. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation? Distress? Wait a minute, that word. Persecution. Oh, famine. Nakedness. Peril, our sword, can anything that separate us from the king, from our father? It is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. And it goes on and says, yet in all these things in the kingdom of God, we are more than conquerors. We're not just conquerors. Well, how, why? Because we know the love of Jesus. We're more than conquerors through Christ that loved us. So, let me say one other thing about the kingdom. I'm, I'm, I'm going uh, too slow, or either y'all listening too slow. I can't figure it out. Um, the kingdom of God is a, a kingdom of power. In 1 Corinthians 4.20, listen to what it says. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. God's kingdom, where the king is, is a powerful kingdom. Power over the world power over the flesh, power over the devil. It is an awesome kingdom. And the kingdom of God is not just in word, but it is in power. And I'll tell you another thing. i got to say this before I move on. The kingdom of God is a holy place. It is a holy place. And God's, the people in God's kingdom, they live holy lives. Holy lives. That means, let me tell you what the best definition I've, I've ever understood for holy. You know, somebody said that in the, in the Hebrew, when they use the word holy so much, that any time they mentioned something, something or someone was holy, it was above everything else. It was above everything else. When it says of, uh, of God, holy, 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 it means that God is far above anyone else. However, when it says that we are holy, it says you be holy as I am holy. It says, pursue peace with all men and holiness without which you will not see the Lord. It means this, that here's the level of the world. This is where the, the way the world's kingdom lives. And this is the way the, king, the children in the kingdom of God, God's children live. We are holy. We live above the, this world. We live above the sin and, and wickedness and ungodliness. We're not living on the same level. We are holy we, we are above, we're living above by the Holy Spirit that, than this world loves, than this world lives. We, we live a holy life. It is a cut above 
the conduct of this world. You know, J.B. Phillips wrote a book entitled, Your God is Too Small. And, and I, I, did, I, I read the book, and I wasn't too impressed with it, but I like the title. Can I ask you a question? How big is your God? I mean, how big is he? While, while you look at the world and say, man, I don't know what's going to happen. God knows what's going to happen. It all began with God, and he's going to bring it all to a conclusion. And then you get into where you're in God's kingdom. And when you're in God's kingdom and you're under the authority of the king and the king Jesus lives in your heart and the Holy Spirit gives you power, I mean, how big is your God? You know, there was a time a few years ago, and I still think it's good, that there was a great deal of emphasis put on the names of God. What his names meant to us. You know, there, there are two verses I'd like for you to listen to. Psalm 91, verse 14, it says, Because he has set his love upon me, Therefore, I will deliver him. Listen to this. I will set him on high because he knows my name. God says, I'm going to deliver him. He said his love on me because he knows my name. You say, well, I know the name of God. It's God. And then you go on over into another verse, Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord. Listen to this. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The name of the Lord is a high tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. You know, in the kingdom of God, our God is an awesome God. How great is our God. And man, I love his names. I just mentioned three or four of them. You know who, what his name is? Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Je Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. He will fight for us. It is Jehovah Sidkenu. The Lord is my righteousness. It is Jehovah Salom. The Lord is my peace. It is Jehovah Shema. The Lord is present with me. It is Jehovah Rohi. The Lord is my shepherd. Our God, our King, is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing, and ever-present. I want to make a Profound statement, as, as profound as I can make it. I'll tell you, the kingdom of this world is passing away. But the kingdom of God will endure forever. And God's children are in the kingdom of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I, I've talked about who's in the kingdom of God. And I've talked about what is it like in the kingdom of God. And, and I just want to close with a, a brief statement. This is what he says. What are they doing in the kingdom of God? Are they sitting around floating on clouds? No. See, I'm in the kingdom of God, and I live in Mobile, Alabama, right down the road. You know, and uh, I got a mailbox down there. I, I, post, I mean, on my mailbox, there's a number. But I need to put a, a, another mailbox and put a, a, a citizen of heaven. I'm a citizen of heaven. And this is my box number for, for the kingdom of God. Now, this is my box number for the kingdom of, of the world. But this is my box number for the kingdom of God. And let Lord put my messages in it any time he wants to. Don't you, wouldn't that be nice? Well, I wonder what the Lord put in there today. Well, he won't put it in the mailbox, but he's already put it in the Bible. <laughs> so you don't have to go to the mailbox to, to get it. You can just read it. But, you know, uh, what are they doing in the kingdom of God? Go back over to Hebrews 12, 29. Since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us serve God. Let us have grace that we might serve God acceptably with reverence. That we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. And the next verse says, for our God is a consuming fire. Our God is is a consumer. Hey, how do you serve God with reverence and godly fear? Well, I tell you what that means to me. It means that you're a worshiper. You are a worshiper of God. In other words, he's not the man upstairs. He's not the heavenly Santa Claus who we, we try to be good so he'll give us good gifts. I want to tell you something. We, you, know, you know what the people do in the kingdom of God? They serve God with reverence. 
and with a godly fear. That means they worship God. They know who he is. He's holy, holy, holy. He who sits upon the throne is worthy of all glory and honor and praise. And as we come into the presence of God, we come with an awe, an awe of who God is. That serve God, a godly fear is that you know who God is. You know. That doesn't mean you're afraid of him. But you know who he is and how holy he is and how righteous he is and how godly he is and how loving he is and how good he is and how wonderful he is. But you have a reverence for him and you worship him. You worship him. You enter into his gates with thanksgiving and you come into his courts with praise. You are thankful to him. I'm going to tell you there's a lot of worship going on in the kingdom of God. They are serving God with, with uh, 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 reverence and godly fear. I tell you what's going on in heaven and the kingdom of God. It's worship. It's worship. And you know what else is going on? They, they check in with the king every morning and say, well, what have you got for me to do today? Lord, you know I'm your servant. I'm your bond servant. What have you got for me to do today? What's your plan for me? Well, you know, you've got a job. Oh, I know that. You know, you need to be on time. Oh, I know that. And you need to be the best employee they have. Oh, Lord, I know that. Because I'm going to tell you something about that job, Lord. I'm not doing it to men. It says, whatever you do in word or in deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says, whatever you do, do it unto the Lord, for you serve the Lord Christ. So, you know, I, I, somebody says, well, now, in the, in the kingdom of God, this is exactly the way I serve the Lord. And I, or I serve the Lord. And there are certain ways we witness, we love people, we minister to people, we wash feet. I mean, you know, if you don't love people, you, 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 I, I'm concerned about you in the kingdom of God. But we serve God, and the main thing we do is we get our orders from him. We listen to him. We're led by the Spirit. We do what he tells us to do, and we don't do what he tells us not to do. I'm telling you, you serve God. Hey, he, he, he may have something for you to do today that's far distant from what he has for me to do, but then he may speak to me about something I need to do as a citizen of the kingdom, and I need to do it. So you, you say, well, I wish somebody would write out everything I'm supposed to do. Well, you don't need that. I got something better than that. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the children of God. Ask the Holy Spirit what God wants you to do. <clears throat> Ask him what your task is. Well, I want to close with just reading this verse. Verse 29, I want you to listen to it now. Because we've got two kingdoms. Uh, it's at Hebrews 12, 29. Put it, uh, put it back on screen so I won't miss it. It says, but it says, therefore, think about it. Therefore, everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. Everything that can't be shaken, it's going to remain. remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom <clears throat> which cannot be shaken, thank you, Lord, let us have grace. By which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear.